Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, hundreds of junior soccer matches have been cancelled for this coming weekend and there's question marks over what happens after that as well, it has to be said, because referees are protesting against abuse and threatening behaviour from the sidelines. A group of about 80 match officials made the decision to withdraw their services essentially like wildcat strike action. Following incidents over the weekend, the leagues themselves called off games in response. Uh, The decision affects thousands of players between the ages of 7 and 18 in the North Dublin School Boys, the School Girls League and the Metropolitan Girls League as well and also the Eastern Women's Football League. Uh, It's expected possibly to prompt wider action amongst clubs across the country. On Monday, the NDSL Chief Executive Tony Gaines said the referee's decision had come about because of inappropriate conduct from managers, from players, from coaches, from supporters, from parents literally right across the board. He described it as a sad day for football. Mr Gaines said he had informed the League Disciplinary Committee to adopt a zero tolerance response and to penalise the culprits where it hurts. A swift response uh, would be welcomed by match officials. Now I'm going to be speaking in a moment to Harry McCann. Harry was an underage referee up until 2019 where a series of incidents, and I suppose one that broke the camel's back, led him to give up his role in the game completely. Before we speak to Harry, though, I want to know, what has your experience been on the sideline of your children's matches or your women's matches? Have you witnessed abuse? Have you witnessed abuse by players, by coaches, by parents? Maybe you are a referee. I'd also like to hear your own personal experiences as well. Is it really as bad on the pitch as we're hearing? Uh, The FAI uh, issuing a statement today saying that... uh, you know, abuse won't be tolerated and also saying that it will be punished and it will be penalised. They haven't elaborated on how they intend to do that. They haven't elaborated on how, uh, you know, they intend to actually examine or investigate what we've been hearing about and what has led to the cancellation of the matches. 087-188-0008. We're interested in your first-hand experiences of this. But as I said, I'm joined on the line now by Harry McCann. Harry, thanks very much for joining us today on the Nile Boylan show. So you yourself uh, very much involved in grassroots soccer. Uh, you were a ref and you are no more. Why? Yeah Tara, so look like most people I think uh, a negative experience kind of pushed me out of the game or a series of negative experiences. Um, I was a referee uh, after years of playing underage football as a kid growing up. I wanted to stay involved in the game and then started from a referee. Uh, was well prepared for you know the odd comments here and there from a manager or a parent on the sideline. Had no issues with that at all. Um, but the threats then of abuse uh, and violent behaviour kind of came too much. Um, and it was something that was becoming, rather than a one-off thing every couple of weeks, it was week in, week out. I was getting threats that were getting worse and worse. Um, and then one week, a manager actually tried to, to strike me with the flag. I'd given him to, to pull, put up when the ball went out of play and... Uh, I, I picked up the ball and I went home um, and I never went back to, to refereeing again. I just decided that I wasn't going to wait for somebody to act on one of their threats. And what kind of threats were they issuing to you, Harry? Oh, it was it was everything. There were situations where I had to wait at pitches until people went home because they were waiting around the car park and they threatened to wait around the car parks after games. And there was just general abuse and, and derogatory comments from players and managers and it was to be honest, it was it was a series of things and things that you couldn't even repeat. 
Um, and it, it was really just intimidation a lot of the time from people. Um, and I, it just felt like it was getting worse and worse as time went on. And I think, as we can clearly see now, it's clearly a problem nationwide. Um, yeah, well, I mean, this obviously, this development... Uh, that we're hearing about since since yesterday evening affecting largely the greater Dublin area. But there is an expectation, I think, that it'll be a case of solidarity for all. It's obviously not just happening in Dublin. It clearly must be happening elsewhere across the country. Harry, you know, with, again, without going into some of the details and some of the language maybe that you can't repeat, were you genuinely concerned for your safety and your well-being? Oh, yeah, on a number of occasions. Um, and to be honest, in the last few weeks before I decided to pack it up, it, it was getting worse and worse, you know, as I said, I had situations where I was only a teenager at the time, I wasn't driving, my parents were picking me up and dropping me off at football games, wow. and I, I was waiting for them to come and pick me up after games, and I was calling, being like, you know, I, I really need you to hurry up, you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm worried here that something's going to happen, and there was people waiting around in car parks after games, and that's, that's intimidating for somebody, like at the time, I was, I was, as I said, a teenager in school, so... It was something that, for me personally, it just got to an extent where I was waiting for somebody to act on one of their threats and I was waiting for something to happen. Um, and I, I just didn't think it was worth it for, for the sake of a few bob at the weekend. And did you report this? Yeah, so I had, a, I had a weird situation with the FAI and the fact that I had spoken out about this at the time and I reported it to the necessary authorities, which is the league, and then the league passes it on then to the FAI directly. And the FAI then had spoken out after I got a bit of attention and said that they hadn't received any report um, from the referee in question is what they said. But this was all reported and it went through the, the proper systems. But unfortunately, you never really hear back about these things and that was one of the biggest frustrations at the time. Um, I can't speak for the current situation, but at the time, it was you weren't receiving any comments back. You never knew, and you were often finding that the same people week in, week out were still there, and you're having the same problems with people season after season mm. who really shouldn't have been involved in the game after strike one. And where is the responsibility of the clubs that are involved in this? There's a huge responsibility. Um, at, at the end of the day, they have a responsibility for the safety and well-being of all the children involved in the club. Um, if adults are on the sideline, they should be there and they should be able to, to act and, and behave in a certain manner. Um, I think if somebody's threatening violent behaviours or being abusive to a referee, they shouldn't be responsible for looking after children. Um, I think it's bizarre, to be honest. The situations that I had were in games where kids were as young as you know, 10, 11, 12 years of age. So it's quite bizarre to think that those people who are are saying some particularly nasty things to referees are allowed to stand on sidelines and, as I said, look after the well-being and safety of young children. And in your experience, um, Harry, who were the main offenders? I mean, you know, in in in, in the statement uh, from the NDSL, they're essentially saying everyone. They're saying there's coaches. They're saying, you know, parents, spectators. I mean, is it that widespread? I mean, who 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 were you on the receiving end of abuse from most? It's it's a bit like a domino effect. So what usually happens is the manager will say something, and then a parent will say something, and then the children feel that they're allowed to say something as well or do something as so well. So even the children of ten and eleven years of age are are being roped into it, or or feeling that it's okay because somebody else older than them, you know, when you can see how a child would be confused about that kind of messaging but if their coach is going to abuse you or sag you off then it's okay yeah. for them to do it Yeah look I had a situation one of the last games that I had refereed where I, I, somebody had made a comment a really derogatory comment um, only would have been about 14 or 15 years of age 
and then actually tried to run at me um, towards the, the, the when the whistle had blown. So, you know, like that's the situation you're dealing with is that like when parents and managers allow this behaviour to happen and become normalised, then the kids and the players seem to think that it's okay. And, and unfortunately, it, it's the biggest problem is that, you know, games get out of hand then because everybody around you or on one side anyway is acting in a way that's, you know, is quite worrying and can be quite dangerous, I suppose, as well for some referees. It's very unsportsman, though. Very unsport, you know, unsports-like. Yeah, it's like, I suppose if you look at other games, and I always come back to the rugby and the IRFU have a zero-tolerance approach, and I played rugby as a kid, and, and, you know, there was always this idea that you don't speak to the referee, you don't say a thing to the referee, and you behave in a certain way, and, and it's often described as a gentleman sport. Mm-hmm. But, I, I'm, look, I, 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 there's always problems in every sport, but I think it's become apparent and become very clear that, in, in soccer in particular, it's becoming a serious problem and a very big issue that eventually will lead to bigger situations. You know, we hear the odd situation of a referee being assaulted, mm. um, but it'll become more common and it's clearly an issue worrying enough for leagues to be calling off games. We're, we hear a lot of it as well uh, uh, in relation to GAA. Uh, and I'm just very interested in the comment you made there about the IRFU and their zero tolerance policy and, you know, the view that it's a gentleman's sport, but that there there has to be decorum on the pitch what are the FAI and the GAA potentially then getting wrong here? What do they need to be doing? Or is it too late? You know, is this something now that's just come out of the box and is going to be really hard to get back in? No, I, th- I think, to be honest, it's a tolerance thing. It's it's really, if you're going to give people an inch, they will take a mile. And I think this is the problem, is that we're allowing certain things to happen. Now, it, it should be pointed out that different leagues across the country handle these situations differently. And then the FAA as a whole sends out directives that they should all be acting by. But it, it doesn't happen in every league or every county. Okay. But I think the situation here is that we're allowing people to get away with a certain amount and a certain amount. And eventually they're just getting into situations where we have big, big, disasters happening so I think what we need to be doing here is saying that there is absolutely a zero tolerance approach if somebody's going to behave in a certain way they get one opportunity and that's it and if we find out there's a situation again then they should be removed teams need to be removed managers need to be removed and very much just cutting it out from the source rather than allowing people second and third opportunity and okay I can see whereby you know theoretically you can do that if it's a coach if it's a manager you know if it's a, if it's somebody officially related to a club what if it's a parent yeah, well, a parent does have, an, the club has a, an obligation or responsibility if a parent's on a sideline. Usually they pick a sideline, usually their son or daughter is on the pitch. So if okay. they're involved in the club, the, the club does have the, the, the opportunity or does have the ability to say, you know, you can no longer be involved in the club um, and they could remove the son and daughter from the team. So I think, like, realistically what should be happening here is if a referee's being abused, they go over, they warn the line and they warn the team and if it happens again, they pick up the ball and go home. And, and that's, very quickly people will learn that that's going to become the norm and very quickly people will keep their mouth shut and, and just let the game continue as it should. But do you, do you, if you think back to your experiences where you've told us, you know, on the sidelines waiting for your mum and dad to come and pick you up at the end of a game, do you think genuinely if you'd picked up the ball and walked off, you know, that, you, that it wouldn't have become worse, not better? Yeah, look, there's often situations where, where you have to manage what's around you. Um, usually you're in a lucky enough situation that one team is abusive or aggressive or threatening and the other isn't. So mm. you've got somebody over the other side who hopefully has a bit of common sense. You hope. Uh, to sta- you'd hope to, to stand by you. And I, 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 that it did happen on a number of occasions. 
Um, but yeah, I think look, it, these are unfortunately like it's bizarre to think that we're talking about kids' football here. You know, yeah. Re- realistically, this is not the Premier League. This is there's not much at stake here at all. Yet we're talking about referees trying to manage their own safety at an under twelve football game. You know, so I think we kind of have to put this into perspective and say if we're at a situation where referees are genuinely fearful that they can't end the game because of abuse or threatening behaviour, then we've got a really big problem in Irish football in a really sad state. It's not bizarre, Harry. I mean, it's sad. It's horrific. It's absolutely inexcusable. Yeah, it is. And, like, I think somebody pointed out today, like, it's a, it's a sad day for football in this country to think that, you know, matches can't go ahead by kids because of the fact that, you know, parents, managers, children are abusing and being aggressive towards referees. It's, it is. Like, it's really, really is a sad, sad situation. Um, and I don't think people realise that it's widespread as it is because these aren't just isolated one-offs. This is week in, week out, right across the country. Harry, you alluded when I asked you about your own experience and, and did you report it and what happened, that, that the FAI sort of responded after you'd gotten a bit of attention, I think, were the words that you used. Is that media attention that you're talking about? Like when you were actually week after week making complaints and, and you know, to, to the next level higher up the chain, did you sense there was any sort of, of, of support for the situation you were facing? Yeah, so in my situation, what had happened was I was at the game. I was at a game, and there was a situation where I abandoned the match, and I was sitting waiting for my parents to come pick me up. And I put up a tweet, and I just mentioned what had happened, and that went, I suppose, viral in a sense, and that garnered a lot of media attention. And then the FBI felt, I suppose, it was necessary to respond. But if I hadn't, if that hadn't had happened, and I hadn't got the response which I had gotten, then I, I probably wouldn't have heard because I hadn't heard in the past about other situations. Um, while something may have happened, and I'm not saying that it's necessarily a sign that something didn't happen, you just don't hear about it. Um, uh, and that's the most frustrating part about it, is that you're kind of hoping that something's being done, you're wondering if something's being done, but realistically, you're not really sure at all. And, and as I said, the FAI aren't very open about communicating that. And some leagues are, some leagues aren't. So it's, it's very much a case-to-case situation, but in my case, I didn't get much communication at all. So the FAI have released a statement today, as I said, as uh, we we started our conversation. They're saying that, you know, it's not acceptable, uh, that it will be rooted out and that offenders will be penalised. Do you have faith that will happen? Um, I hope so. I'm not. Look, I won't won't nail my flag to mask here and say that I absolutely think they will take action. I've been disappointed by their inaction in the past. Um, and I think their inaction in the past has resulted in this current situation. Uh, this isn't the new problem. This isn't something that's just arrived or appeared in the game overnight. This is something that's been happening for a very long time, has been well documented, and the FAI have done little to nothing uh, to stop that. I know there's new leadership uh, and there's new people involved in the FAI at the moment who might take a more serious approach to this, but at the moment, I'll, I'll see it when I, I believe it when I see it. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure when I will see it or if we will see it at all. Okay, Harry, thanks very much for joining us and talking to us about your experience. I suppose we, ha- you know, we have to, as Harry says, there's new leadership or fairly recent leadership in the FAI. They probably will be forced to act and I expect that we will hear more from them in due course. Jonathan joins us now on the line on Ireland's Classic Hits on the Nile Boiling Show. Jonathan, you also have experience as a ref. Tell us how, how it was for you. Yeah, I am. I suppose it's a while now since I've uh, referee, but I was in that actual league for about 10 years um, so the abuse is kind of I suppose the way I seen it was it comes with the territory um, I seen the football is 
so passionate, uh, whether it's amateur or professional. Um, so I kind of just took it, took it at that. And even even as just listening to Harry there reporting it and stuff like that, you know, it's it's a long process um, to go through and stuff like that. So I suppose for me, I kind of just got used to it, um, and I just kind of just let it let it slide, kind of. Um, but Harry, was, uh, Jonathan, rather, is that part of the problem? Is that not part of the problem? I mean, I'm I'm listening to yeah, you, but, listening, I, but what yeah. I'm listening to you describe yeah. there, you use the word passionate, you know, yeah. and it's all consuming and it's part of the territory and you got used to it and you went along with it. That almost sounds like somebody who uh, was at the receiving end of domestic abuse, nearly, you know. And I mean, people yeah. criticise or, or question uh, people who suffer domestic abuse for a litany of years. Why didn't they leave? Why didn't they do something about it? Why didn't yeah. they press charges? What you're describing to me, and, and let's not forget, this is largely children's soccer. This is supposed to be a healthy, sports-like, congenial, convivial, positive fun activity and you're making it sound like horrific domestic abuse oh well I wouldn't go as far as saying that now domestic abuse but, <laughs> but it like, is but you know, you, some of the words yeah, you've just but yeah, some of the words you've just used Jonathan are very okay. akin to it but like you think of it there's 70,000 people in a stadium at a game referee every, every every week as well. Well, half of them at least, anyway. Ah, yeah, but there are yeah. officials and there's security and there's, you know, yeah. there's barriers yeah. and, you know, we're yeah. talking I'm about not, kids I mean, running I around fields. I understand we're talking about kids football, but it's not. It's in the same context. Do you, know, do you get what I'm saying? Like, do you know? Um, did, did you ever have experiences like Harry did where he, you know, he felt genuinely concerned for his own safety? I wouldn't say... For me, safety. No, but I've, I suppose I've, I've abandoned games um, and and walked off pitches um, because because of because of abuse sometimes. And as I said to to Arslan, I suppose then for for me the way it worked for me was when I when I was in it for so long, the games that I've done they kind of got to know me in the in the grounds that I went to because I kind of went to the same grounds mostly every week. So I was kind of known then um, as a ref that that wouldn't take that wouldn't take too much abuse. Like as as Harry said, you'd go, you'd warn the lion. Um, for me, eight or nine times out of ten, that that kind of that kind of resolved the issue. Um, but I don't know because it's been probably five years since I've refereed. So it sounds like it's definitely getting a lot worse than when I was refereed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, this is not, it's not good for kids to see this. Did you have experiences like Harry, did you have experiences like Harry whereby, you know, at a certain point it filtered down to the point where the, where the children were getting involved? The odd time. The, the biggest problem at kids' football matches is the parents. In my experience, the parents are the worst um, aggressors and abusers at football matches. Um, they because it's the response for this that kid that's playing, um, and even the sound is the smallest little thing that doesn't go that way is like a throw in or, or the smallest little thing a parent can really really kick off. And all you can do as a referee is ask them to leave. And if it's in a public park, they can they can only leave, they'll only go so far. And yeah. if the abuse keeps continuing, then that's when they'd abandon a match. And unfortunately, like. Not like Harry, I, I had a car or whatever. I could go and just get in the car and drive. Well, we didn't have to wait for somebody to pick me up. 
um, which I don't think I would have liked to have to stay around at some of them, but, you know, um, but as I said, it was, it doesn't sound as bad. It sounds a lot worse than what it was for me, anyway, do, now, do nowadays. You, do you think, Jonathan, that the FAI are on it? Not at the moment, no. And what would you, ur- said, what would you the urge them to do? What do you think could help fix this? The process needs to be a lot quicker and a lot, a lot, the punishments need to be a lot more as well. Um, because like some some punishments, the player probably or the manager would get, get suspended for three games or something. Um, you'd probably be taken out that area for not not reffing again. I've done senior football as well. I've refereed in senior level as well. Um, and senior like kid, the kids the kids level was worse to be honest. Really? Um, yeah, due to parents mostly. Right. Ninety percent of the time it'd be the parents. Yeah, and I suppose if the parents are going to act like that, really, you know, it's going to be a case, as I always say, monkey see, monkey do. Uh, thanks, Jonathan. Carl, uh, you're welcome to the Nile Boiling Show. We're talking, obviously, about the the cancellation of hundreds of junior soccer matches this weekend. Carl, what's your experience of junior league soccer and and the violence and threats and intimidation that we're hearing about? Yeah, well, my father-in-law was a referee for the best part of 20 to 25 years, you know. It was going back 10 years ago. And he, I used to go watch the matches I used to be refereeing, you know. And week in, week out, tirades of abuse towards him. And the final uh, thing was, you got one of the kids actually picked up a rock and split his head open. And he was, he was a renowned what? referee. He would have been known all over Dublin, he would have been, you know. And he, he got to say, his last referee match, he would have been uh, in his, coming into his 50s. And he was a small man, like he wasn't a big, domineered man, and... Uh, the threats, they didn't care. They didn't care, old man or not, the abuse they got. And this was coming from managers, and there was no backup of other managers. And uh, the last the, the, the last nail in the coffin was a rock in the head, which split him wide open. And that was it, you know. We used to say to him, week in, week out, give it up. It's not water. He loved football. He loved, it kept him fit also, you know, running around and doing the referee, you know. And for most, it's a labour of love, and they're Absolutely. genuinely in it for the benefit of the children. You know, That's we're... It. We're talking about about kids, you know that that you know it's their as Jonathan used the word passion. It's their passion. It's it's what well, they love to if, do. If the manager has no, if the manager won't stop it or say, "Oh, here, stop that," or pull the kids aside, what, what hope have the kids got? You know what I mean? What hope have you got? The manager is going to be just as bad. No, but totally, it should be one strike and you're out for for good. It should be their uh, name taken down. That's it. Because you know who they are, know the team. That's it, band for life it should be. But they're not open at the FAI, schoolboy leagues, all that. That's hard. They're not open at you know. And what should they be doing? I mean, what you know, you know, um, you, you, is there, should there be? Yeah, but should there? I mean, should there be a, a, a case of procedures? You know, one incident where it's maybe hurling abuse, then it escalates to something else—a threat of violence. You know, if it goes beyond that, that's it. You're just gone. You're I, off. Look, I mean, hurling abuse. I don't think you should be banned for it. But any type of violence towards any ref, any referee, any referee, anything—that's it. Gone for life. That's it. You need to send out a clear message. Otherwise, they'll have no referees and there'll be no matches to go to, you know? And do you know what happened to the individual? In, I mean, did your father not press yeah, charges? Yeah, did he press charges? Did he contact the no. RD? Did he contact the FAI? He didn't. He, was, he didn't. No, he didn't contact. I think that he just said, no, that's the end of it now, you know? But, uh, no, nothing happened. Absolutely nothing. I think they all laughed at him. They all, all the kids laughed at a great laugh. Over. I'm pretty sure the manager laughed at it as well, you know? That's absolutely but an old man, you know, a, a fella, an elderly man, fifty, coming towards the end of the refereeing career, got his head still open. 
you know. But uh, shocking, shocking, and doesn't doesn't seem that anything has changed since. Yeah, you well, know? I mean, certainly you both yourself and Jonathan are talking about incidents that happened ten years ago. If we're at the point now, and we're only at the point now that uh, you know the, the refs are actually essentially voting with their feet, and they're you know they're off, they're they're taking wildcat strike action. Where are you on this? Are you one of the parents that's regularly on the sidelines every week? Are you mortifyingly embarrassed and worried about the behaviour of other parents? Are you a ref? Have you had experiences like Jonathan, like Carl's father-in-law, like Harry McCann? Get in touch. A lot of people WhatsApping the show uh, saying that in their opinion they kind of agree with, with Carl and with Jonathan and to a point with Harry McCann on this that it's parents. Parents are where this is actually starting on the sidelines of games and a lot also so, uh, suggesting that it's mammies in particular, the mammies who turn up for uh, for the for the games at the weekend, you know, are behind a lot of this uh, threatening and abusive hollering and the general sense of disrespect uh, in the game. If you're one of the mammies, I'm not saying if you're one of the mammies that's hurling abuse per se, but if you're, you know, you're seeing this, you're out there. I want to hear from women who are bringing their boys and their girls to play soccer at the weekend in these leagues. And what are your experiences of this? Uh, Mark is with me now. Mark, you are one of the parents who who attends games on a regular basis. What are you seeing? We've heard from people who've been involved in the ref, uh, from the ref's point of view. Are, um, par- are parents unfairly being um, fingered, pointed at in this? Uh, well, first of all, I'd like to say it's a very difficult job being a referee. There's no disputing that. And, of course, it comes with that uh, heavy responsibility. And, of course, you're going to get things wrong. You're going to get things right. And, of course, parents are going to say, yeah, that was good, or that wasn't. Maybe get a bit of a backlash because of it but the major problem from my point of view is uh, my kids have played in the DDSL and the NDSL and the, and the Gaelic football as well and uh, the DDSL 90% of the referees are fair in the NDSL 80% of the referees are biased towards their local club and that's where you get the problem because they're getting the abuse from the away side the only way to stop all of this, or a lot of it, shall I say, is by having outside referees. And this goes for the Gaelic as well. I mean, I've had my sons more or less crippled, and they get a warning. They should have been sent off. And same with football. They've lost cups, finals, over poor refereeing. You're giving abuse to a referee. It's come over. You're losing a, the game for us, sort of thing. No, actually, you've lost the game for you. And they've basically said, because of you not liking my decisions on on the pitch, you are now going to be penalised. And they do get penalised. And the referees make sure that you do not win a game. They are the extra player or two. But Mark, are you seriously <laughs> alleging that all referees, or the vast no, majority of all. referees, are, are making poor decisions and that's why there's no discipline, that's why there's abuse being hurled, that's why we're seeing violent scenes repeated across the country? Well, I can't condone violent scenes. Can't, can't, can't condone violent scenes. But a lot of it has to do with the referees are local and they are frightened of the local teams. And they are intimidated by the local teams. Therefore, they are biased beyond measure. 
But that doesn't and excuse people's behaviour. That does not. It doesn't. I mean, it, it you doesn't. know, I, and I, look, I, I can only imagine how it must feel if you, if you, if you, you perceive that you're seeing this, that the ref was going deliberately with the other side continuously, and your child or, well, when or your, your child's child's league is when missing out. When you, when you, your players are being kicked, and the referee's doing nothing about it. The players will continue to kick unless they're doing something about it. The only way to to counteract this is to one video. Someone needs to video every single referee, this, or the whole game, basically. And from that, you know, if the referees seem to be bad, why isn't the referee getting a ban for a few weeks or a month? But surely, it always seems to be the other way around. Surely, no, Mark, not, would be... the referees are. It's a tough job, but there's a lot of bias that goes on, which creates a lot of this problem. I'm not saying all of the problem. I'm just saying. A lot of the problem. But surely if there was an, an endemic bias and refs were, were continuously siding with their local team, there'd be a way of proving that. There'd be a way of no, showing, well, I mean, look, if the local team is well, always the one that wins and it's always the one that wins, well, then that raises question marks, does it not? Well, it does. But yeah, but those questions just go in the bin with everything so else. Is part of this problem... And I'm talking about from the ref's point of view. Get an outside referee. But is it a lack lack of any sort of structured reporting system within the leagues and within soccer and within the FAI from grassroots up? Is, is, you know, you should be in a position if you feel as a parent or as a club or as a coach that there's a particular ref who's constantly bowing to pressure and siding with the the other team or their local team. There has to be some way of reporting that and having it invested. It gets, it falls on deaf ears. It falls, and particularly in Dundalk, it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not going to. We're not going to cite out of the, this particular issue at the moment, and, and the refs who are who are, are striking this weekend essentially are, are in the Greater Dublin area. But well, that's I, we, to do, do, that's we do. more expect, to do with violence course. than anything else, and that's disgraceful, and that, and that shouldn't go on. But I mean, saying ref, that was a bad decision. I'll oh, come on, ref, whatever. That's that's normal. That's to be expected. And they should rise above that, and 90% of them do. But when your players are getting injured, when goals are being disallowed, when clearly you're onside and it's, they're saying it's offside, your emotions get raised high. Yeah, but and I mean, you can't allow say, them to spill over. They, and, and there has to be a bit of... To do, all they need to do is bring in outside referees. And do you honestly think, Mark, that the reports we've heard from from all of the refs that we've heard from in the programme so far and, and, you know, the officials that are making the decision to withdraw services this weekend, that that's just simply the problem? That if there were outside referees and they made unpopular decisions, that's what they're doing. They're there to referee the game. They're going to make decisions that's going to make one half of the of the participants unhappy the problem here is that it doesn't matter what provokes you to anger or to make you upset it's how you react to that it's you know it's not hurting abuse it's not getting violent i'm I'm not uh, i'm not condoning uh bad abuse i'm not condoning violence by any means but a lot of it can be dissolved by better refereeing better referees and if referees are seen to be biased and it does go on quite a lot uh, in Gaelic as well as football, more football than anything else, um, then they need to be looked at. The referees, uh, and I feel sorry for these referees that have had, you know, thrown stones thrown at them. I mean, that's disgraceful. I'm not condoning that at all. 
My God, but, we heard uh, one that had a uh, you know a brick thrown at their head. Well, you know? that's disgraceful. I mean, we've played in in, in Dublin where we've, uh, the, the opposition team have been held with fireworks, and it wasn't even Halloween. But you know, it's it does go on, and it is disgraceful. And you know, but you know, some rough areas you kind of expect it, uh, but. And unfortunately, well, a lot of I mean, again, I, I, again, I, ha- I have to argue back on that. I don't think this is specific to just one area or what you might term rough areas or or less well off areas. From what oh, we're hearing, a- this is this is absolutely widespread. And, and well, you know, bad refereeing decisions, it's not always going to go your way. I'm not convinced with the argument there from Mark that, you know, that it's a, it's a case of bad refereeing decision. It's how you manage your temper. Uh, I want to bring Laura in. Laura, um, you think this is sort of indicative of, of a much bigger problem. Tell us what your view is. Yeah, I suppose I'm coming from a bit of a different angle. I hear that with yourselves there, that it seems to be the parents who are the problem. And I'm a teacher in a secondary school, and I just see so much disrespect. Like, I I used to feel humiliated by the students because they were allowed to say and do absolutely anything to you. And there was no punishment or consequence. There was maybe a bit of a finger wag at them. Um, but there was no detention, there's no suspension, there's no expulsion. And like, say for example, I was told to go F myself. Two days later, he's back in class after just having a little talking to. Mm. And I'm humiliated at the top of the class. Um, so there's that, like, principles aren't enforcing codes of behaviour. They're not punishing students the way they used to at all. Are people and afraid then- of parents? Are people afraid of parents? Yeah, parents would come into that. Like, I remember so many times ringing home because of behaviour in the classroom and they'd say, and what did you do for him to do that? Right. I was like, "Uh, sorry, no, that's not the question you should be asking. So the parents Uh, have their little angels and and anyone who, you know, who's questioned them or challenged them or has an issue or a a problem because of them, it's almost their fault, the teacher's fault. Yeah, like I think there is a big lack of respect there for teachers now because of what went on in the past. And that's understandable, but now it's just gone too far the other way. And we basically have very, very little authority and um, there's no consequences. There's this whole pastoral approach to student behaviour, and it doesn't work. And then this is what spills out onto the football field. They're only small, and when their parents are back, and it's also, I'm sure you know about the strikes that the train drivers are going on as well because of behaviour on public transport. It's the same thing. Like, they're not being dealt with in school. They're not being shown a good example from home. They're allowed to get away with anything at all. Um, Jesus, even the television shows that they're allowed watch until all hours at night, like violence and sexual activity and all the rest. Like, there's no borders or boundaries with them. So it just does not surprise me one bit to hear about these kids, the way they act, and the parents as well backing them up because they're the ones really leading the behaviour in the kids. But, I mean, you know, you're saying there's too, you feel there's, there may be too much of a sort of a pastoral approach to parenting. and But, I mean, you know, we had a disciplinarian approach and albeit maybe people, you know, towed lines and, and behaved accordingly, it, it led to a lot of abuse and a lot of damage. 
Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, it was too far the other way in the past, but now the thing has swung too far in the opposite direction, and figures of authority have no authority anymore. And I wonder, you know, again, you know, who, where does the book stop? I mean, we're talking about the issue of the junior soccer games that are being called off because of the whole scale and wide scale abuse. Where does the, the authority book stop? 087188 is where you can get us on WhatsApp. So we have had the refs blamed. We've had the management of the leagues blamed. We've had the coaches blamed. We've had the parents blamed. We've had the kids blamed. Dermot, you were a sports reporter. Reporters are supposed to be taking an unbiased view of proceedings on the pitch. Tell us about your time working on the sidelines, what you saw. And I mean, do you go along with what Carl suggested? That, you know, it shouldn't be refs, that they're intimidated and that they're siding with local teams? Is it, as Laura suggested, just a general state of indiscipline? What was your reporter's view of what you saw? Well, uh, to be honest with you, I, I, I mean, I, I never reported on a referee having a bad game. I did once, but, but, but um, referees, what I always tell the people on the sideline, they'd say, come to me and say, well, what do you think of the referee? Permit? I'd, say, I'd say, listen, you're playing at a level. The referees are graded. You're not going to get Pierre Colina uh, at the game, you know, with a whistle. They're the same level that you are, you know. They're arriving on their own. There's no one to pat them on the back. You know, someone scores an OG, the teammates pat them on the back. The referees are on their own, you know. And the, the abuse they get is, it's not been going on for the last couple of years. It's been going on forever, really, you know. Mm. And it's a, it's a disgrace. And um, a lot of them, it's water off and books back. But the younger ones seem to suffer. I've seen referees with tears in their eyes coming off football pitches. And it's, it's, it's just can't go on, really, you know. Do you think, though, that, and I mean, you know, a number of, of the people who, who were telling us about their own first-hand experience, Jonathan, I think, reft over 10 years ago. Carl was talking about his father-in-law and the incident with the brick to the head. That was about 10, 12 years ago, too. Yeah, it's always been there. I mean, I remember even just being a little one when going to watch my brothers who were older than me playing soccer. You know, and you know there would be people yelling all right from the sidelines, but it wasn't what you would describe as abusive. I mean, there might be the old get a pair of glasses or, you know, you need to go to that place that sells, you know, that on on the high street that sells whatever it is, but it's it was more gentle slagging, I suppose, than anything else. It wasn't abusive. Do you think yeah, it's gotten it, worse? Yeah, but, but it accumulates. You know, when people like, start seeing what they can get away with and then they, they get worse, you know, and, and, and it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And then, then you have this situation where now the referees are, are taking a stand finally against it, you know. I mean, it's, you know, uh, I suppose... Well, you know, you can kind of link it in a way to the clergy. Like, you know, the biggest problem is recruitment, which it is with the clergy. They, they both wear black and they're both in the position of authority, but the abuse, the, the allegations are at, at, you know, different ends of the scale, obviously, on, on one hand and the other hand. But, but I mean, the most, the worst thing I ever heard was that around this time of the year, Christmas, when there's a break, a team organised a friendly game. Now, they're going to get a friendly game against a team they're familiar with, close boy or whatever, and they're going to organise a referee. So the referee is going to be a person they know. Mm. And that referee was head-booted in that friendly game. And I, I said, you know, how can this happen? Like, you know, I mean, it's crazy, like, mm. you know, because 
if you think about it, like there's three reasons lads become referees. One might be for uh, an extra bit of pocket money at the weekend. Yeah. One might be a player who's become a referee just to keep fit, and one who might have an ambition in the game. You know. Yeah. And they're the only reasons they become referees, you know. Do you go along with what Carl um, intimated that they're, you know, that you've got local refs lo- refereeing local games and they're going to side with their local game because they're going to come across them more often during the course of, of the league campaign and so they go along with it and they do make bad decisions because they need to keep in favour? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I mean, I actually think that it, it may go the other way because the referee be thinking they're thinking that I'm going to give these you know all the decisions but so what you have to and they might you know I have to be seen to be fair and they might go fair on the other you know you might go 60-40 to the way team mm. I don't think they, uh, they, they you know not not like you know on purpose but they might do it like you know it might just happen but um, no I, I haven't seen an unfair referee in all my years the game. I haven't seen a referee who actually goes out to favour one team. And so Dermot then, just very, very finally and quickly, do you think then that this abuse is absolutely inexcusable right across? If, if you're saying the refs are fair, you haven't seen a bad one, you've been a reporter, you've covered games for years, you're saying there's no excuse for this? No excuse whatsoever. It's absolutely disgraceful. And it's going to ruin the junior game in this country, yeah. and particularly in Dublin. Well, it certainly has that look about it from what we're hearing about this weekend. Pat, thank you. Finally, you're welcome to the to the Nile Boylan show. Where are you on this? Are you out on the sidelines week in, week out? Every week. Um, some of the stuff I've seen, even going back to last Friday night, and I'm involved in adult football, there was a sending off, and the, the abuse the referee took was, uh, I actually was open most at, at the abuse he took last Friday night. And that was from an adult. Right. Playing senior league football, do you know what I mean? Like a lot of a lot of the underage stuff, I can see where the referees are coming from. But that's an awful lot to do with the coaches, our parents that are helping out. They haven't done coaching courses. They don't understand the game. They don't understand the laws of the okay. game. So the referee have the referees have courses have courses done as to the laws of the game. What's a foul? What's not a foul? What's a booking? What's not a booking? But the parents haven't done the same courses. So when the referee blows the thing, if they see it as unfair, they'll start shouting and roaring. In turn, if they're shouting and roaring at the referee the kids will shout and roar at the referee. Hmm. When the kids are shouting and roaring at the referee, it all tends to get a bit of... If one side get away with it by shouting at him and he rescinds the decision, the small but he says, right, I'm going to leave that go because of the shouting and roaring, I can't deal with it. The, the opposite side are going to start shouting and roaring. And, like, the, the, the thing is, is, it needs to be an educational programme set in by the association whereby every club gets an appointed date during the summer, there's a long enough off-season from the end of May to the start of August where every club can be told we're getting a visiting referee to go in and tell you what, get all your coaches together for the year ahead. You know what your coaches are going to be for the year ahead. They're more or less the same from year to year. They pick them up at under eights and take them through to under eighteen normally mm-hmm. in most clubs. Sit down and educate. The referees need to sit down. The referee associations in Dublin, Cork, Limerick, Galway, in the major cities where the major leagues are. In Dublin, there's four underage leagues. In Cork, there's one. In Limerick, there's two. You know, that kind of... But who's, who's, resp- who's responsible for that? Who should be responsible for that training and education programme? It should be the FEI. It should be the FAI. It, it and do you think? Body. Do you think that parents, as they're entering their children into these leagues, should be made? I mean, a lot of schools, for example, if you're entering your child into a school, make you sign 
a contract of sorts, for want of a better word, outlining that you've read the rules, that you're familiar with them, that you understand their sanctions if they're broken and what the sanctions are, and that you're, you and your child both sign up to that. And then there's a, then a zero tolerance approach. If you're roaring on the sideline, if you're threatening the ref, you're that gone. Be- that would be ideal, but what what happens is like that would be ideal. Going back about four or five years ago, the child safety came in in, in sport and with the FEI in a big way. Every club was vis- visited by one of the FEI regional officers that went uh, and explained what could and couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. That if the team, if there were a certain age, there had to be two adults, three adults in the dressing room at all times. You couldn't give them a lift. If you were to give them a lift and there wasn't another adult with you, you needed one of your own children with you if there okay. was other children. Yeah. You had to sit in the back seat. Yeah. Stuff like that that would protect the child and protect the, the adults yeah. in certain, from allegations. The FEI went and did that in a matter of weeks it was done. Every club in the country was visited and every club had a, had an officer appointed as regards child safety. There was a CSO in every club in the country. There is a CSO in every club, in every underage club in the country. And so is it a lack of will, do you think, then, that has, well, it, has it like why, this, Pat? Like, the FEI are passing the book to the Referees Association. The Referees Association are rightly saying it's the FEI's job. It's the FEI's job to create, like, I mean, we can't, the FEI as an association can't run Without, to run, can't run local football in this country without referees. Well, I think if there's one thing that's come out of this action uh, by the referees this weekend is certainly that attention has been drawn to it and uh, the book now passes to the FAI, I think, to try and find some of those solutions. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.